The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan on News Talk. We're going to kick things off as we will every day here on The Hard Shoulder with our afternoon update. Catching you up on all that has happened today, the stories that matter most. And joining me for the afternoon update today, Fiona Sheehan, Ireland editor with the Irish Independent, and Shane Hannan from Off the Ball. As you would have heard from Eamon in the news headlines there, I guess the, the kind of news development in the last couple of hours uh, here in Ireland has been the death of Jason Hennessy Sr. He had been shot. People will remember this gun attack at Brown Steakhouse in Blanchardstown on Christmas Eve. Uh, he'd spent the last 11 days in Connolly Hospital in Blanchardstown. But Gardy confirming this afternoon uh, that he has died. So a murder investigation now underway into his death. One of the gunmen that night, Tristan Sherry, was overpowered and fatally injured as well on the night. So a murder investigation already happening there. Three men uh, arrested, one man charged. Uh, so because of that charge, there's very little really to add uh, to that. But if there's any more developments uh, today or in the coming days, we'll be sure to bring them to you here on the show. Uh, Fionan, the COVID-19 inquiry, though, we do have detail we can talk about on that. So what, what has emerged? Do, do we have any idea what it's going to look like? When is it going to happen? How long is it going to take? Yeah, we're, we're expecting that in the next three months that government is going to set something up. Terms of reference currently being drawn up. So we'll need to see exactly how wide ranging it is and, and what's the purpose of it as well. I mean, you go back a decade and it was the banking inquiry. We have to have a banking inquiry. We have to learn what happened and how can't it happen again and blah, blah, blah. By the time the banking inquiry report came out, nobody gave a shite really. <laughs> Pardon my French. But it was basically just a process that was gone through. A report came out at the end of it and really, are we any wiser? Probably not. In the case of the COVID inquiry, what is being said is that this is not about blaming people. It's just about assessing, here's what happened, here's how we responded and here's the lessons that can be learned in the future. Mm. Now, if it's a political forum then that becomes about who can we blame and who can we pick yes, on. Yes, as I said, the whereas road to this, hell is yeah. paved with good intentions. <clears throat> whereas this is intended to be more kind of an independent expert panel uh, type thing, not a, an Oireachtas committee where you're, you've got point scoring and things like that uh, going on. So it should look at the health professionals, should look at people, people affected, but it will have to look at the overarching policies to see... Uh, how how well prepared were we in in the first place? Mm. Uh, how did we respond? And how did the structures operate? And where did, did things uh, fall down? So I don't think they're going to be coming back and saying, well, you lifted restrictions on such and such a date and you put had to put them back in six weeks later and therefore you shouldn't have done that. It'll be, it would appear to be more overarching policy outlook focused. And you'd say that's kind of no harm because we saw things like the operation of NEFIT where this body of 40... Uh, health officials basically became the de facto yeah. government of the country dictating what was uh, what was going to happen which also had the interaction with the, from the political perspective where they were quite happy initially to accept that advice and then became more restrictive so will you need something in the future where where there is a broader mix uh, on something like NEFIT that would make uh, decisions like that also you're going to have to prepare for will there be another pandemic most likely probably yeah. will what what are our preparations if that was to happen in in say the next month? How are we prepared in terms of our health service, uh, our public, uh, our ICU our, capacity, our ICU capacity? Our, people keep forgetting the our reason our, our so restrictions lasted so much longer than everywhere else was ICU capacity. Ultimately, it came yeah, our, down to our, our ability to not have our. Uh, health service over yeah. over flooded, uh, basically, and we were we were running from what was happening in Italy. Let's be be quite clear, we were watching the forty pages of death notices coming in from Bergamo. So y- you can go through all that. So y- you'd say 
this can be a valuable process if ultimately what you're looking for is recommendations into the future rather than trying to conduct a post-mortem and what happened in the past. Uh, Shane, have you faith that we can avoid just a kind of a long drawn out process of relitigating everything? Absolutely not. Zero faith. And I think a lot of people listening would, would probably, like the people you talked to on the street would obviously have the same opinion as well. Like you look at some of the headlines in the UK papers over the last number of months and, and Finon has mentioned some of them. Mudslinging, blame game, pointing fingers and even worse, you see in some of the, the, the politicians completely entrenched in the camp and the positions they took as well. So it, that's almost worse than denials of positions that people took at the start of the, the COVID pandemic and, and places in which uh, people went wrong. Like if you ask the families of the Dalgan House, for example, in Dundalk, uh, bereaved families um, that this would be the start of 2024 still talked about and this is a process I think that they said what 18 months it's going to mm. take at least so I mean this is so far down the line for families that are waiting for answers and the reality of the situation is they're going to be waiting a lot lot longer and and look I, it, it's it's hard to know who's right and who's wrong but that's exactly what you want what you want to get to the bottom of but these these families of victims and in Scotland they've mm. been doing it right they've been listening to the families at, at the outset of all these discussions uh, and then comes the political part, the part where the, the politicians are put before uh, and basically yeah. told to, to entrench in their positions. And a lot of them have been digging down. Um, Fiona, what, what, the, the turn of phrase that Shane uses there, who's right and who's wrong. Like, I suspect even if they decided, yeah, let's go back, let's relitigate every decision. Well, we'll there's no clear answer to who's right or who's wrong. That's the problem no, with a lot of those decisions. Well, look, it, it, it's based on the circumstances of yeah. the time. Are there decisions that were taken at the very start that, would now, in retrospect, not have been taken quite quite probably if people knew what what was was to come. We had the the famous reopening for Christmas, uh, which which didn't go very well. Or we slow to I, I, had, I had a very meaningful in, Christmas yeah, for what it's yeah, worth. Yeah. A lot, lot of <laughs> other people didn't though, who ended up getting getting sick subsequently in that in that January. So you you will obviously have that that great benefit of hindsight mm, yeah. uh, type of perspective. But at the same time, you know, politicians don't tend to like to to say that they were wrong in any decisions that 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 they were they were taken so there i wouldn't hold out a whole lot of hope that you're going to get answers on things like Dagen House on issues like uh, well, why why were nursing homes not provided with adequate mm. uh, levels mm. of support? I think it's also going to be very different from what you were seeing, the perp walk that's happening over in the UK. Because let's face it, we do have independent authoritative figures also this week that's a, that show from the OECD that we do not have excess debts yeah. in Ireland, which would imply that we certainly handled the situation that bit better than, than some of our, our counterparts. Not perfectly, by any yeah. means, and, and, and you know, there could have been a lot of things done differently, but I don't think we're in the same space as the UK are. Yeah, and the other thing is, and there was this feeling at the start, at the outset of the whole thing, regardless of your political leanings in Ireland, we were a week ahead of the UK going into lockdown. A lot of people were appreciative of that, I think, at the time. Certainly in hindsight, that was a good thing. Uh, but now that we're so far behind the UK in terms of dealing with it, and this this whole thing is just... It's just adding to the little bit and there's yeah. a scepticism that comes in. The longer it takes, people are like, well, do you want us to forget? Because that's that's what the general feeling is. Well, P says people want a bit of juice from an inquiry. Were there secret parties smooching in the corridors of power? <laughs> we want it all. Uh, Willie in Limerick says Sweden never the lockdown, never stopped kids going to school, never stopped them playing sports, didn't stop people entering premises without vaccination certs, had a low vaccine take up. Yet a very low COVID mortality rate. Instead of an inquiry, we might ask the Swedes for advice. Well, Willie and Nimrick, would you believe the Swedes have actually finished their inquiry? They have got it done and dusted. And what their experts found is that they should have locked down a little bit harder. Largely, they say they got things right, but they do recommend, in hindsight, that uh, more 
things should have been restricted. There should have been further restrictions. And people don't like to hear that. Sweden is held up as this exemplar. But even the Swedes say, actually, we could have been a bit stricter and it would have saved a, a few more lives. Uh, but we appreciate the text, Willie, in Limerick, all the same. Oh, it's 7 uh, There has been mention of the UK and the, the perp walk, Fionan, as you describe it, when it comes to their COVID inquiry. Uh, there had been some speculation in the UK that there would be a general election in the spring in the next couple of months but not so now according to Rishi Sunak this afternoon. Yeah, Rishi Sunak has to call an election at some point in 2024. Their last uh, election was December of uh, 2019 pre-COVID post-Brexit Boris Johnson came back with a a romping big uh, majority uh, which, when you look at it now, were were great heady days uh, for him. But the perspective has changed now. There is now uh, the disaster that has been the Tory party over the last uh, five five years. Uh, the manner in which Brexit was was handled in those those that that latter period by Johnson, the the went into the the calamity of the the Liz Truss government and a, and a botched budget, and now Sunak trying to put things back together. But he is up against. What is a serious Labour Party leader, yeah. as opposed to Jeremy Corbyn, which was not a serious Labour Party leader, as far as those middle ground voters were were concerned. So you have, as a result, uh, seen a swing back towards the Labour Party. And looking at it now, anything bar a miracle will mean that Keir Starmer is uh, the Prime Minister but, by by this time next year. So I suppose one of one of Sunak's only. Uh, tactics that he has left in the book is that he gets to pick when exactly it's called and in mm. what circumstance. So it's Labour's to lose, Shane. Hmm, Labour's to lose. To I, s- can they snatch defeat from the jaws of victory? Yeah, well, you, I love the. I love at the start of, of a political year, you're getting the you know the Lib Dem leader saying he's bottling it. You know this May election, he's absolutely bottling it. I love the love the language that is used, and it is fighting talk. I mean, as Finland says, it has to happen at some stage this year. Or probably earlier the worse in Rishi Sunak's perspective he wants to delay this as long as possible but from a political nerd's perspective uh, of which there are many out there if you have the prospect of an Irish election UK election American election all within a very local and European election local as well Don't sorry not them. to forget of course it's the it's the equivalent of a, a nine dart or I'm sorry I'm, a, I'm obsessed with the darts at the moment so it's it's the equivalent of that for a political nerd to be obsessed in India, with it Taiwan well, there you go yeah. it's all over so it, it is the most democratic year in history apparently because right. democracy is not under siege at all <laughs> elections going ahead in 89 different, different countries so yeah you're going to have all sorts of activity and they do have like we may sit here and go, oh well, look what happens over there doesn't doesn't really matter. It it does. I mean, we have seen uh, the the negative impact uh, on, on Northern Ireland that mm. Johnson's election for the last five years uh, has 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 taken, and the impact of Tory governments there uh, over the course of of the last uh, dozen years, and also our, our relations to, with our other neighbours. Uh, have certainly improved over the last three years under under Joe Biden. Yeah. Um, of course, we're, we don't tend to, to rock the boat when there's a, a not so great US presence in place, but it, it certainly helps when there's somebody who's who's more amenable to actually talking to you there. Uh, can I ask, because I, I was the Irish Independent you know, on this afternoon when I first saw it reported, this fire in Tipperary yeah. in a school. Now, I think I had the same reaction that lots of people have. As mm. soon as I saw it, I thought... Ah, Jesus, another uh, yeah. a, a building earmarked for asylum seekers or emergency accommodation gone up in flames. Well, what is the situation so, there? Do we know? Yeah, so a, a, a fire uh, broke out uh, last night at, a, at what was a, a disused uh, primary school in, in Federed in South Tipperary. Um, the fire services brought it under control, but significant damage done. Now, the context was that there had been rumours on social media that this was, had been earmarked 
as a accommodation centre for asylum seekers. Okay. Uh, the Department uh, of Children is saying that certainly was was not the case. They were not considering it. They had not looked at it. They weren't, it, it wasn't, uh, simply wasn't happening. That doesn't prevent the rumours from occurring. At the same time, this building was derelict. It had uh, fallen into abandonment. There had been um, some public order incidents at the site over recent times. So there is now a question mark over whether this was deliberate arson because people thought that it was being earmarked for asylum seekers or some sort of accidental arson because people were just messing around inside an empty building. I guess it shows that that my reaction, as I say, Shane, like a lot of other people's, is just reflective of the the atmosphere we find ourselves Mm. in. Well, you immediately think of Utrard and and Ringsend, the the pub in Ringsend as well, um, and assume the worst. And obviously you let the investigation happen and will remain to be seen. As Finan says, it could have been an arson attack and local politicians seem to be certainly suggesting that uh, there does be a lot of um, antisocial behaviour around that derelict site and that could be the case. Um, But certainly... With the with the, the just the current uh, I guess climate that is in this country, and certainly after the night of Dublin riots as well that we saw, uh, there is this feeling that there is that sentiment that if any building is earmarked to be used for uh, for people who need the accommodation, that that it would certainly be a, a target. That has been the case in Utrecht for sure, and, and Ringsend for sure. So it will remain to be seen, but it, it's a concerning thing um, in this country. Uh, listen, before I let you go, a story we're actually going to come back to later in the show is uh, MetroLink, Metro North, uh, huh. MetroLink. Is it Metrolink or Metro North? Metrolink now, Metrolink. I think, isn't it? It's now called yeah. Metrolink. Anyway, it's going to be delayed for other shame. Well, you know, I'm a, I'm a big space geek here. And I remember in 2009 and 10, Obama announcing the Constellation program. He said, we're going to return astronauts to the moon by 2020. And I was thinking, that's loads of time away. 100% loads of time. Uh, and then, of course, 2019 came, 2020 came, 2021 came. We hadn't returned to the moon. Uh, Eamon Ryan saying we're going to have this Metrolink done by, by what, the early 2030s? 2030s. I mean, that is wildly optimistic. I like that putting people onto another planet. We, we, we have that on a par with building a light rail system from Dublin city centre to the airport. Well, this is the thing. Like, we, we, can, uh, we can land astronauts on the moon, but we can't build a metro from <laughs> Dublin airport down to Stephen's the, Green. The, the, this delay, Fionn, it's just that uh, there's been so many submissions to Onboard Planal that they have to hold oral hearings. There, there, there'll it? be an oral hearing, then yeah. you have to, to go through that process and that can take quite some amount of time. Mm. But it does add to the notion that infrastructure projects are so hard. The Taoiseach was talking about Cork, a dart for Cork, presumably it would be called cart or whatever yeah. <laughs> it would be called. And he was saying optimistically, oh yeah, well, no, there's no reason this can't get going in the next five to ten years. And you're, you're kind of going, what? Why, why, why possible, would it yeah? take five <laughs> to ten years? There are exchequer <laughs> figures out uh, again this evening showing we are richer than we ever were before. You travel the world and see other infrastructure projects developed an awful lot faster. And here we have got a massive planning law going through the House of Eurotus over over the coming months, one of the biggest piece of legislation mm. that we'll ever see. And I don't expect that that will in any way speed up these processes. Like I was driving past the airport today and dro- driving into the port tunnel, you see the price up to twelve euro, and and that like from a tenner at uh, you know what. Peak prices, in fairness, but still, you look at the money that's going into the travel infrastructure in this country, and you wonder where it's going. Like, I, I fear that we'll be, we won't get to see the the uh, Metrolink potentially opening. Uh, it'll be reading in the years episode in twenty sixty or twenty seventy. Maybe seven, our kids, myself, and Fionn come in the N seven. We don't have to worry about any of this. <laughs> You're safe uh, enough. Poor it, total, it'll be the hundredth anniversary of of Ireland being a republic. In another 25 years' time, maybe that'll be a good time to, to reopen, uh, yeah, it. <laughs> reopen it and bring down yeah. the poor tunnel yeah. tolls. Fiona Sheen, Ireland editor at the Irish Independent, Shane Hannan, off the ball presenter. Thank you both very much. The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan. Weekdays from four on News Talk.